is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. From out of the Holy Gospel, I want to speak a word from my heart and to your meditations and to be able to share God's word with each other. Out of Matthew 25, I'm going to read from the New Testament, uh, New English version of the Bible. There are some differences in there. And uh, since I prepared the message with the NIV, I don't want to count numbers differently than what's in the text. So it's Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave the five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey, and the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more, but the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with the five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And when the man who had received uh, the one talent came, Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, you have... You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put your money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from the one and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has been given more, he will have abundance. And whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be truly acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Who knows what an I is? A I. Anybody familiar with that? two-letter word? Anybody good at crossword puzzles? A-I. Anyone? It's a substitute. You know what it is? Okay. It's a sloth. What's a sloth? (laughs) It's an old English word And many of you have become familiar with the Internet and the computers 
And I'm typing out this message last week and typed the word sloth. And I says, what's that definition? And I went up to the bars of cut and there's a dictionary. So I click on that and get a definition, copy it and put it right into the text. Isn't that amazing what these miracle things do? I'd have to run from one room to another and go find a dictionary. A sloth is a slow moving mammal that uses its long claws to hang upside down from a tree and rests and sleeps. That's what a sloth is. It's a a mammal who hangs upside down and just rests and sleeps. That's the image that we have of them. And it is one that is applied as well in this New Testament text that we have. So it's a term that is the center of our message today, one of servants that can be slothful, lazy, and at rest instead of action for the Lord. So our outline could have three points, the one with the five talents, one with the two, and the one. I'm going to let that go. And we're going to make it two points in the outline. I don't think it's going to be any shorter of a sermon. But there will be one point, and that will be that we are we slow-moving servants? Or are we servants who are putting our Christian faith into action as Christian stewards? Number one, are we really slow-moving Christian stewards? For the word sloth in that old English language is not often heard very much in our today's discourse. We don't use that term. And so I'm reminded, though, when... How many of you read Pilgrim's Progress when you were in high school? Some of you remember that, huh? That word sloth. All of a sudden I'm thinking, wasn't that in Pilgrim's Progress? Yeah, Christian was on his way to heaven. And he came upon three people that were all tied together. One was simple, the other presumption, and the third sloth. Ah, it all comes back together, doesn't it? And guess what these three did? The Christian says, you're all tied up. I'm on my way to heaven. Would you like me to untie you and take you along with me to heaven? And they said, no. And they went back to sleep. That's sloth. That's resting. That's laziness. But that's the way Christian then has to go on to see if there's anybody else that will travel with him on the road to heaven. Not only in this New Testament text, but it goes back to Proverbs as I was reading some devotional thoughts during the week from the Psalms and the Proverbs. Out of Proverbs 14, verses 4 and 23, hear these words. Where there, is no, where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. From the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. In verse 23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Got the connection there? Work hard and you'll get a harvest. You'll have a field to to reap and barns to fill and something to eat during the winter. 
Well, Lutheran Christians have faced this uh, concept of work ethic, both from our Germanic and uh, Scandinavian backgrounds, where it was very uh, expected that we be industrious and work hard and uh, find our meaning and our purpose to life in that kind of endeavor. And so mom and dad always worked very hard in order to provide for the family. And in the New Testament ideal as well, uh, we as Christians have moved away from that work ethic that you had to work your way into heaven. Grace comes by faith for those who believe. And in that New Testament, it is in believing and trusting in the Lord who has provided for us that very salvation that we have. And so I'd like to give as an example that God has blessed and entrusted us as to be able to work out of our faith to serve the Lord. And in an example that I probably have shared with you before, but it's one that's just always so close to my heart. In fact, I carry it in my Bible, and it was just kind of a, a printout with the um, framework of Jesus in the middle of all of the words. And the story comes out of Germany, in which that after the bombing and the shelling took place, and including some of the churches, that uh, the congregation went through the rubble, and sad to say, like, you know, with the fires or the uh, hurricanes and the tsunamis, the people go there in desperation trying to find something that's a keepsake or something to remember or something to use, some valuable Thing. And at this German church, the pastor and the people were all looking, and they had a policy that they would save only those things that were in good condition and it could be used. And uh, some of the workers came upon a statue of Jesus, but the statue of Jesus had no hands. They had been extended in the past, and they stood as a statue, but the arms had been broken off from the rubble. And uh, so there were no hands anymore on the statue of Jesus. And some of the workers pulled it out and said, oh, get rid of it. We won't be able to use it. It's got no hands. It's broken. And the pastor looked over there and he says, no, he says, I think we're going to keep that statue because it be standing in the congregation. It will remind all of us that we are Jesus's hands and his feet, that we will carry on the message for him. A beautiful example of how our Christian faith and commitment and stewardship can be active. It can be put into action. So furthermore, in applying this lesson of uh, faith and understanding, uh, we do not have to be slothful and uh, resting and at anger, regardless of our position in life and our political preferences. We need to think about what has taken place in the last few weeks and months, and it's a discussion about the rich and the poor and the middle class. We can be kind of critical of those who are poor and I'm not going to get political on you. It's, it's a discussion of the uh, concept of appreciating uh, poverty and wealth and, and the middle class. And so those of us who are 
consider ourselves in the, in the middle class, we can often look at the, those who are poor and say, well, you know, why haven't they worked harder to improve themselves like we have? And that attitude kind of comes out in us because we're referring to their sloth or their laziness. Well, if you stop and think about it with me, I've got children and I've got grandchildren and you have too. And some of them have really struggled in their life and they have tried and they have worked. But at their stage of life, things still hasn't come their way. And so what I'm bringing up is just this idea of judging other people and then concluding that the rich have made it and they're at easy and the poverty line that they haven't worked. But let's focus now on the middle class where most of us feel like we're in that category that there is some slothfulness about us as well. That we as Christian stewards have fallen short in some things and that we have dragged our feet and not kept up our commitments to the Lord. We can be critical, and yet, have we walked in their moccasins before? Have we known what it is like? Yes, if we have walked in those moccasins and have achieved, then we can praise God for what he has done and uh, what he can accomplish through us. Well, in this Bible lesson from Matthew, God says he gives to all of us gifts. Some he gives in order that we should increase and lift them up to the Lord and give back to him what he has given. Christian stewardship at this time of the year and also at the end of the Pentecost season looking to Thanksgiving and to Advent. God brings in the harvest and he says, I want you to give account of your Christian stewardship. What I have given, have you given back to me. There's a beautiful little story of a girl who was given ten bright little pennies. And instantly she began to part with them. This one is for Jesus. This one's for you, Mommy. This one's for you, Daddy. And so on till she only had one left. And then with her parents watching, says, oh, and this one is for Jesus. And Daddy says, well, you already gave Jesus. Yeah, I know, but I had to give that one to him. This one is a gift. Isn't that special? And that's really what the encouragement out of this is for us, is to give that additional gift and praise to the Lord. So many of our uh, projects in the Lutheran faith have been powerfully given because they have been gifts that have been given. And we want to, on our Christian path to heaven, like Pilgrim's Progress, that we want to walk on that way and to give him a gift of our own love and praise and worship, like Psalm 100, verse 2 says, and it's the Lutheran Missionary League theme, and that is to serve the Lord with gladness and to praise him. That's a lot of our uh, auxiliary themes and our congregation, that God has given us talents, and it should be translated into service and into good deeds. And so those who have been given five uh, talents, do they bring back five? To those of us who have been given two, do we bring back two? And to those who have one talent, 
That's still a gift of God. It's not to be uh, abased or demeaned, but that God has given us something. Have we given him something? Well, in that day, usury and uh, interest was uh, really a no-no. If you helped somebody, you didn't expect it back with interest. But God says, or the the manager says, well, at least you could have put it with the bankers and got some interest back for my um, gift that I gave you with the one talent. No, you haven't even done that. You've just buried your talents, your gifts, your stewardship, and you expect me to be happy with that. So in this month of stewardship, at this end of the Pentecost season, your talents of money and attributes and service, he asks, even as the psalmist does, that we give back to our Lord. Hmm. In the last couple of weeks, Carol and I have both reached that psalmist's uh, blessed age of three score and ten years. And... Uh, at our stage in life, like many of you, I'm leading up to the idea of using our talents. You know, I'm served as a pastor for 44 years now, and I'm into my third year of a four-year uh, working with the congregation and serving as evangelism chairman, and I'm kind of ready to be at rest. Let somebody else do it. Have any of you said the same kind of thing? Well... I promise you, you know, I might give up this kind of position, but I'll find a way to worship, to praise, to serve in some other capacity. It may not be on a board or be the chairman again of a committee, but I'll find a way to service and to praise my Lord. I have to preach the sermon to myself as well as to anybody else. So God is asking me, to praise and to serve us and to worship uh, in his kingdom. Have any of you gotten to that point where you said, I want to sit back and rest for a while? Well, rest, but then make sure you come back and serve in your congregation. And I'll do the same in mine or when the opportunity serves to uh, come and, and, and preach and worship with First Lutheran. Have we put our faith and our good works into action? In this chapter... There's a three-pointer and a two-pointer if we use basketball language. There's three different messages. One is of the ten virgins, and uh, secondly, of the talents, and thirdly, with the sheep and the goats. Well, we don't really have to number these things. It all should be the same message, and that is that it has to do with the kingdom of God and the coming of the kingdom of God and the coming of Jesus at the end of all time in which that he asks us to walk with him on the pathway to heaven. God has given us his hands and his feet to service us. And he has taken care of us and provided us. God has himself been cut and ripped and torn by the sins of mankind and the nails that crucified him to the cross. He gave when we were being slothful. He was not. He did not quit. He did not give up. He did not hang his head in shame or in rest or in sloth. He hung his head in death on the cross. And he bled for us and he died for us so that we could hold our heads up high as Christians who serve the Lord.
He's made me and you a servant of the Lord to be able to praise and to give and to serve. So ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for the Lord. Yeah, to paraphrase one of our favorite presidents. Indeed, this is a gospel that Jesus has preached. It is the good news that he has shared with us. And he says we don't need to be slothful or lazy or reticent, but to bless others with the Sam's shelter or with the missionary league mites or the yearly budget or community collections for the fire and the police and the scouts and other good programs. He's given us a blessing to be able to help with the budget and to offer our services in this congregation as officers and committee people. He's given us his own body and blood that we have received in his communion and a blessing at the baptismal font. The good news is for all of us to be very specific that he even forgives us for our reticence, slothful, lazy natures. And he says, I love you still. I love you still. He's heard that message from us. He knows us well. And he still says, I can preach to you the good news and not beat you over the head in order to make you to do something or to give something. It's a baptismal grace that he gives to us every morning of our life. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger and that the security alarms did not go off during the night. You can smile at that. I wrote this last week. Guess what happened last night at 3.08 in the morning? <laughs> the smoke detector went off. Beep! Got up, looked through the whole house, went back to bed. God has kept us this night from all harm and danger. He protected us on the ride up here, even though I almost hit a deer. <laughs> You're driving on that 549. And the car in front of me slows down, puts his brakes on. Why is he doing that? Ooh, there's a deer in the middle island, and he goes right in front of my car and joins another one that's on the roadside. And thank you, God, for having kept us this night from all harm and danger. We are blessed by God. He has given us safety and security, and he looks after us. He knows us. He cares about us. And it's the most fitting way to close the message. Yeah, now you can pay attention. There is um, a story of a girl who is very precious. And her name was Sally. And she was sitting in a seminary class. And uh, the professor was well known for his object lessons. And this day when she walked in, she was in a bad, sour mood. Maybe like some of our teenagers or our 20s. And the boyfriend and the girlfriend were arguing, and her best friend had helped her boyfriend to split up with her, so she was not in a good mood in that seminary class. She walked in, and right away she sees on the front board newspaper print, big newspaper print, and uh, she oh, something the professor is well known for. He's got an object lesson for us again today. And uh, sure enough, he did. He had three of the students come up, and he said, draw the person you hate the most. 
And they drew the picture of that person, and Sally says, I know exactly who I'm going to draw, and even details the earrings and the, and, and the uh, way that her hair curls and, uh, and the little pimples on her face. I'm going to draw that real good. And then the professor said, now that you've finished that, here are some darts. I want you to take and throw the darts at that picture, you know. And they did, with all the violence and all the anger and all of the emotion that they had in them. And they ripped those pictures to shreds and tore it and, and, and slithered it. And, and, and the professor says, time, time, time out, wait, hold it, no more, no more. And Charlie says, but, but I haven't had a chance to do mine. I'm really ready to get that girl that took my boyfriend away from me. He said, time out, time out. He goes up and he pulls the sheets down that they had drawn of their enemies and behind them was the picture of Jesus. He too had been torn, ripped, slithered by the sins of mankind and the hatred and the message was very clear. Inasmuch as we have done it unto the least of these, we have done it unto him. That goes on the negative side and the positive side. If we have loved and done for those less fortunate, those in our same category, or even those that are above, inasmuch as we have done it unto them, we have done it unto the Lord. Amen.